You're listening to All Art is Quite Useless, where a group of mates chat about art. We talk about music, literature, films, paintings, and everything in between. The podcast is also brought to you by Cavity Magazine, a magazine dedicated to bringing you the latest developments from the front lines of online writing. Find us on Twitter, at Cavity Magazine, and submit today. Alternatively, you can get in touch by emailing at submissionscavmag at gmail.com. Submissionscavmag at gmail.com. All is quite to you and welcome to the seventh installment of All Art is Quite Useless. On today's episode, we delve into the visceral world of Lee Hardcastle's YouTube channel. Lee creates incredibly realised claymation shorts on his channel, parodying the likes of 80s horror films to Simpsons couch gags, and also ambitious original shorts involving abused hamsters, burgers made from ghost meat, and aliens attempting to put babies in microwaves. Jack has made a playlist of the videos we watched for this week on the All Artists Quite Useless YouTube channel, so you can see for yourself the catalogue of shorts we discussed. I'll be back at the end of Bollock on about something else, but for now, enjoy. Literally shut up. It's going to be horrible to edit. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> oh, I know I smoke a cigarette because cigarette smoking. That's not me. <laughs> Start recording. There we go. Right. I'm going to say one. Liv say two. Jack say three. Jamie say four. Mixed up again. Why not? One. Two. Three. Four. Chase. That was, that was smooth. That was probably um... the best one yet. We're rolling. Oh, my, it's only taken, what, eight episodes <laughs> for us to finally get the sink down? <laughs> I, I, down the sink. I think that should be a little added extra onto one of the episodes, just of all our... I kept it in the last one, actually. Oh, did you? Just because you screwed it up, but I thought it was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> so I kept it right oh, in. Oh, I must have skipped that bit. Right in there. Right. Oh, uh... good, good proof listening, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I watched... Because I watched like a quarter of it like last week, and then I watched the rest of it today. But I think I skipped the bit today, so I just forgot. Yeah, that's my life story. Um, well, thanks for that. Uh, welcome to <laughs> All Art is Quite Useless. Uh, this week we are discussing the uh, short filmmaker and animator Lee Hardcastle, who is perhaps best well known for his... Simpsons couch gags that are uh, essentially parodies of contemporary horror films um, and uh, are very much not for children to uh, to watch. Um, he's also been featured on the ABCs of Death uh, with his feature T is for Toilet uh, and on his YouTube channel uh, Lee Hardcastle there is a uh, veritable smorgasbord of uh, different horror-inspired claymations that are all very, very fun to watch, in my opinion. Um, I chose this uh, as the topic for this week's episode because we haven't really done a different uh, sort of new media form before, and like YouTube is becoming a ever more pressing, uh, ever more prescient form of media consumption on our daily lives so 
I thought it'd be interesting to see one of the uh, most interesting creators and see what the rest of the pod think. So, um, yeah, see what everyone else thought about it. Uh, let's start with Jamie. What did you think to our boy Lee Hardcastle? Hi, yeah. Um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed these. I thought they were extremely well made. Um, I've kind of like, I, I remember being quite fascinated with um, stop motion animation when I was younger. And having like Wallace and Gromit DVDs and stuff like that and watching behind the scenes just to see how they made them. And I've got so much respect for it as a like filmmaking technique because it's such a long-winded and difficult way to do things. Particularly now where you've got lots of alternatives um, in terms of like digital 3D animation to basically do the same thing. But that being said, and the things that I really like about um, stop motion in particular clay animation is the amount that you almost the the maker like leaves their trace on it like in seeing thumbprints and things like that on them and those little blemishes i really enjoy for some reason um mm. and that had all of that kind of thing but these i w- i don't know why i was kind of expecting them to look more amateurish i don't know why i thought that maybe it was because they were on youtube which um <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah which is a, a silly thing to think but I have that thought nonetheless. Um, tis a silly thought. Tis, tis a silly thought indeed. <laughs> but um, it, it was quite the opposite. They were. I was immediately struck by how incredibly well made they were. And of of the playlist that you sent to me, Jack, I think like for the first couple, I wasn't really taking in too much of the actual content of the sketches because I was just so impressed with them technically. And look, like, looking at how they were made, it wasn't in. Mm, I did yeah, the exact same. It wasn't thing. until some of the later ones that I actually kind of started taking in. Um, the actual story um yeah or the yeah the the actual what was going on outside of just the animation um so yeah really really enjoyed it. it it's interesting that you bring up like uh regarding the medium more than the actual content of the medium because uh it is like that when you first start watching it because you can't really quite get over what what you're seeing mm-hmm. I think it's it's a bit like when you go and watch a play and for the first sort of like 15, 20 minutes, you're very much aware that you're watching a play. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm. you're aware, you're aware of the conceit, aware of <clears throat> the stage and the actors rehearsed that, like spouting lines that they've rehearsed for a hundred plus hours. It's a bit like that where you're watching even something as simple as like a character's arm moving your brain is immediately saying to yourself that took ages to do Mm -hmm. this isn't a real arm that's moving and maybe comparing it to like what you've seen visually done on film with real people but then i think there's a certain point where it clicks and you take it for granted and then you can enjoy the content that proceeds sort of thing yeah um yeah yeah so yeah that's actually interesting observation you made that. Yeah, it takes an insane amount of, of patience and I think love for the craft because you can kind of, I think I, I don't know, I imagine that you can get quite bogged down in the detail as you're doing these things and forget about the bigger picture so to be able to have the kind of time and um, foresight that you need to do this kind of thing, I've just got yeah, yeah. huge amounts of respect for yeah. it. I, I'm sure we'll talk a lot about the craft um, later on mm-hmm. uh, Liv, what, what did you think? I thought it was so sick like genuinely i watched i watched the first one and i basically just watched it in the order that you made for playlist um yeah so i watched it in that order and i was immediately like sick uh background music i think that was the uh i can't remember what the title episode was called but it was the simpsons most recent one oh the sort of he-man one it was the one with ned yeah the knights and stuff yeah, yeah. Um, and i was like sick music and i was obviously immediately like this looks amazing and the stop animation is so impressive um obviously i didn't really know what the fuck was going on because that's actually the third installment of the simpsons series i believe (laughs) that he's done so i checked out a very helpful youtube comment that basically explained it all um and then the next one was the reservoir dog simpson one which i was equally as obsessed with because you guys know how much i like remakes of cool <laughs> of cool music and i just thought it was amazing 
um yeah it's just so impressive like jamie was saying like you do just sort of become enraptured with the making of it and how well he's done it all um and he's so good i noticed he's so good at doing the facial expressions of the the characters i think there's one particular moment with ned in the simpsons one where he's just like looking at marge when like marge has got her fucking like hench muscles and he's just like what have i created and his facial expression is just so perfect um yeah yeah i think those were my obvious favorite ones and then i sort of was getting working my way down the list i did skip a few but i also loved the hamster hell one Oh, uh, yeah. That was such a good yeah. narrative. I thought the story yeah. was so good. But yeah. We'll talk we'll talk about Hamster Hell in depth. But yeah, um I think you you're hitting on like a really interesting aspect to his style, which is like really realistic facial expressions for like something that is badly not realistic. Um and also like his com- his comedic talent as well. Like as so as funny. as hor- as horrendous as the animations are, they're always they're also hilarious. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's mm-hmm. some ghastly shit that happens quite literally. In the animations. Yeah, quite literally. But they're also fucking hilarious. Like but, they're so they're so so funny. The bit I found like really funny was in the the Simpsons couch gag one where it, I think it's called uh, "You're Next." Yeah, and so it, you see them all get brutally murdered. And then they just like they don't show Maggie's death, I guess. Yeah. To like oh, sensitize it, cause <laughs> she's a baby. But then you just see like a bit of her head flying into the shot, and it's just like, oh my god. That was the only moment where I thought it might have gone too far on all of I these. Is the is the brutal murder of Maggie? I was just like, yeah, but you don't see it, oh. so it kind of makes it all right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it still it still happens though. Louis, as a as a as a fellow uh, Simpsons fanatic and uh, other member of the podcast, what what did you what did you think to uh, Lee Harcastle's uh, claimations? Do you know what? I really wish I'd gone back and rewatched those Simpsons ones because, like Jamie said, I was kind of it was kind of a sensory overload at first. I was I didn't quite know what to. I, obviously they're very impressive i just feel like whoa there's so much to take in and it was about five or six videos into the playlist that you created that i was really starting to get into them quite a lot more and so i wished uh, after i'd watched them i'd kind of gone back and watched the simpsons ones but the one is the out of the simpsons ones the one that said to me was the reservoir dogs one uh one of the things that i found so impressive about the way these were made is the kind of internal physics they all have like it, all of the characters feel like they have quite a lot of weight and they all move around in a sort of ragdoll-like way, which I found really pleasing. Uh, I, I, I don't entirely know why, but I just thought it really adds something to the overall comedy and horror of the whole vibe that he's going for, that they all sort of flop around quite a lot, and it makes it all kind of horrible. But, the, the, uh, yeah, like everyone here, I really enjoyed them. They were really, really creative, impressively made. Um... I was really impressed by the lighting in some of them. I thought, yes. particularly in uh, the Ghost Burger sequ- uh, sort of episodic ones, yeah. I-, I thought some of the lighting in those, it's like, that's incredible that he's done it. It's like the claymation's one thing, but then to get the direction of other aspects of it as well as he has is also so impressive. Um, but yeah, the-, the videos that stood out the most to me were Ghost Burger. I loved Ghost Burger. I got some proper belly laughs out of me. <laughs> Particularly the, oh man, call the plumber. <laughs> really got me. Really got me. Um, and you're the king of the burgers. Also really got me. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> as mayor, I officially crown you king of the burgers. Hamster Hell is also brilliant. And uh, aliens putting the baby in a microwave was one of my favourites. Alien put baby in microwave. <laughs> yeah. Again? Baby in microwave. <laughs> the line in that one that got a, a proper belly laugh out of me was uh, when he runs upstairs when the massive uh, alien yeah. goes, oh no, it's got a hand. <laughs> and he runs to the next room, oh no, it's got two yeah. eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I love how like, nonchalant he is about this massive alien. He's like, oh no, what a convenience. Yeah, but it's happened but before. He finds the ray going, oh, I was looking for that. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, um, I remember the bloody hell you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah, I thought I thought it was sick, honestly. I knew you. So good. Thing is, I knew you guys would would enjoy it because I honestly think it's impossible to not enjoy his animations. There's a there's like a, a sadistic glee that you get from watching them. Do you know what I mean? It's like the same enjoyment you get from watching a really violent horror film where people just get hacked to pieces, but the tone is not serious at all. It's a little bit like, do you remember when we watched Death by Temptation, Louis? What a film. What a film. Stunning Absolutely film. hilarious. Um, people just die, like, constantly in that film. Everyone but, dies in the exact same scene of being lowered back to the succubus's house. Yeah, <laughs> but but like, <laughs> it's such a good film. This, I recommend that film to anyone. But this has absolutely like far superior characters than anything in Death by Temptation. Look, look, look. Hey, hey, we had a good time, right? So, uh, I assume that you're a big girl. Did you take it something? So just get an abortion, what's the big deal? Honey, 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 you're groveling. That's very unattractive. Just dump the kid and we can kick it again, all right? Hey, I'll even pay for it. Listen, you send me the bill and my check will be in the mail. Honey, I, I gotta run, gotta go. Ciao, baby. Ghost, should we talk about Ghostburger for a bit? Because I think Ghostburger is, is. I felt like that was the that was the the highlight. Like the long it's continuing I felt like that's narrative the, of the ones in that playlist. That's the headline. Since it's because I know it's his biggest project to date, uh, and there is a full version of it which is twenty minutes long, uh, uncut, um, that you can find on his channel. Um, that's essentially uh, his feature length. Um, so we can you we can talk about that for a bit and use that as a sort of jumping off point for his other projects. But um, uh, assuming you've already watched Ghost Burger and you're listening to this, then you know the general plot. The lad from Tease for Toilet uh, moves in for a bit with his cousin and his uncle who runs a burger shop. And uh, they're fell on hard times. Then there's a ghost in his house. He accidentally kills a ghost. They hide the ghost's body. Uh, in the fridge where his dad keeps the meat, they mince it, and then his dad serves it. Turns out ghost burgers are really popular. So his dad's like, lad, we need more ghost meat. And then there's a there's a uh, happy-go-lucky journey involved with that uh, that adventure that these two, these two teenagers go on, and uh, they basically hunt down all these ghosts and use the meat for the burgers. Uh, they get into shenanigans along the way, and it ends in a royal bloodbath. Um... It was such a good payoff. <laughs> I thought... That last that finale episode, just yeah. Compared to because you watch in the in the way that you structured the playlists, you kind of know that he's quite violent in his direction. Yeah, and it goes about five episodes without being too crazily violent, mm. and you just know that like. It's gonna reach that bloodbath at some point, and when it does, Pardon the... what are you doing? Recording the podcast? You're swank. Pardon the technical difficulties. You get a towel. <laughs> Has he oh, seen them? All right. Do you come on the podcast, maybe? Yeah, have him on. Come on, David. David's well, a good chance that. to open up my next beer. <laughs> Even though he's like restricted to well i say restrict even though he uses the medium of claymation exclusively which i think does a disservice not to him because anyone who knows anything about filmmaking knows that doing claymation is probably the most difficult in terms of pure uh focus and concentration because it's just you with plasticity and you have to take one frame every moment of every second is like considered whereas most filmmakers just roll for a few minutes and then cut up what they what they get um so it doesn't it's 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 innately impressive but i think what elevates lee harcastle um is 
how good he is at action choreography. He's yeah, absolutely so fucking good. And like, I I try and I think of I think of stuff. I try and think of stuff that's as impressive in terms of action that is in a more traditional medium. The only other thing I can think of that's as impressive uh, is like something like the raid, where it's like insane kinetic uh, fight scenes and like like mental choreography. Uh, you can only achieve something as like physically affecting as that and even maybe more so in like the medium of claymation i think uh like his the end of ghostburger that that shootout with all the ghosts is ju- it's just mind bending i think what i i i i guess that's what i kind of meant by the sort of physicality and physics of the whole of his work becomes so pivotal because when it does get so violent it becomes so visceral and real mm-hmm. considering it's in a kind of animation it, 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 it's it's so the physicality goes a long way to making you to help breaking down the wall of the animation to make it feel like it is actually happening I feel like the Reservoir Dogs Simpsons couch gag was the moment where I first realised that was that you see everything go wrong in that, and it felt like, oh, oh, like every time. Um, I think what is so impressive about it was the use of gore in, like, stop motion anim- animation. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Yeah, the use of gore, because it's obviously it's like this really traditional cinema form, which is, like, almost as old as cinema itself. Um, yeah, gore, I'm guessing, I'm not, like, um, a huge... I don't have a big knowledge of stop motion animation cinematic history, but I'm guessing the gore usage is pretty low. And it was so impressive and interesting to see the way he like created the the violence of the scenes. And that was when I was really like, how the fuck does he make that? Like he crafts that with his own hands. How does he do that? And it makes it look so like disgusting but also amazing at the same time like that was the most impressive thing um you could tell that there was like incredible and meticulous amounts of effort that went into planning these particularly some of the longer form ones like ghostburger the amount that each sort of sequence had been carefully considered and even through like the intros of some of those you could see where the plot was going eventually he like led it all in it wasn't like um you know there's there's no kind of space for improvisation or ad-libbing anything here it's all incredibly carefully planned and even more so actually during the filming having to follow through with all of that and to be able to pull it off in a realistic and believable way yeah i i think that it also um complements how good a writer he is because um even though you spent ages with claymations um, your efforts are only going to get you maybe like one one hundredth of the time that you put in to it. So like, like you can spend an entire day filming two seconds worth of, of filming. So that means you have to basically like adapt your stories and your narrative to uh, that time frame. So when you watch Ghostburger, everything happens really, really quickly. It's it's only about twenty minutes in total. Mm. But there's enough stuff in there that, like, it could fill an ent- it could fill a feature length like ninety minutes, if if it was in a more traditional uh, medium. But because of the nature of claymation, because everything takes so long to do, uh, then you have to be a really skilled writer in order to like condense everything down, like character development, plot development, uh, setting up and paying off stuff. All the traditional stuff we think of in stories, you have to condense it all right down to a like a fraction of what it normally takes. And so even though he's a really talented animator and artist, he's also a really, really good writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the characters are really good in Ghostburger. I think they're really great. I, I, yeah, like I was so on board for that 
of adventure. I also love the opening credits of Ghost World yeah. mm. of each episode. I love, uh, yeah. it, it gets across what that story is so perfectly within about five seconds. Yeah. I think it's perfect. I love the way it points to future stuff as well. And as you watch more, that opening becomes more contextual each time you watch it. It's great. Mm. Yeah, the um, I think the the music was done by USA Nails that like drowned out um opening chord guitar that you, oh, that you great. at the beginning. It's so punky and like there's there's a there's a definite like punk uh, spirit to his style I think as well. Um, yeah. I think you could, you could enjoy the technical aspects. I was thinking when I was watching it today, I had originally said, oh, Dad, maybe you'd quite like to watch this animator with me. I didn't realise just how horror-focused it was going to be. So I did end up watching it alone. I was just thinking, I don't think my dad would have been down for the sheer violence of every single one of these shorts. I think he would have been a bit like, Ooh, oh, it's, bye. <laughs> it does It does deal in, like... He's a student of, like, the 80s horror 80s american horror cinema um like it comes to the front when he does his thing video. yeah, I love that yeah exactly well it, the frozen thing video yeah <laughs> so you, yeah that's great isn't it i mean you can tell that john carpenter has been a massive influence on him same with like sam, yeah. sam raimi as well uh you know david cronenberg uh like loads of others like proper like old school but like those giants of horror cinema um back when horror was allowed to be cool <laughs> you you can tell he's just like obsessed with that little tiny window of, of cinema history and that's kind of that energy comes through so much and I, it does it in a way that like i think modern um nostalgia uh shills try and like sell us like people who aren't 80s kids a vision of the 80s that we never experienced but that like pop culture tells us about stuff like stranger things you know mm-hmm. uh like we think of the 80s in like those terms kind of thing like that's what the 80s has become whereas like he could very easily go for that like cheap uh anachronistic style but he just takes the best elements of it and then recontextualizes it in a modern context like an example is with the simpsons marrying the simpsons with extreme violence yeah. and uh late 80s early 90s like violent crime films um do you know what i mean it's very inventive with the things that are already existing what one of the things that i found uh particularly impressive was in that thing frozen video where it's the uh it's the blood test scene from the thing but with claymation frozen characters uh just just i was like this works on this exact same level that the source material works i I still felt tense Mm. like i do when i watch the thing yeah and they're doing the blood test like but it's so dumb i'm watching elsa like tied to a chair and yeah. stuff, um, and it, but it still works. Uh, it's like it's so impressive that I get that same guttural feeling that I do when I watch the thing and I see it like burst out of someone and all the legs yeah. fly around the room and blood mm. go all along the walls. I'm like, this works on the exact same level, mm. but he's just recontextualized it for yeah. 
a new generation. I just thought that was, that was just such a wonderful thing. I think, I think that's a like... credit to the medium. Sorry, go on, Jimmy. That's all right. Um, I was going to say, like, I think one of the maybe the more difficult things to permeate, other than kind of the violence and horror aspects, is maybe the editing. Like we were saying at the beginning, how it's so breakneck and fast-paced, which I think does work in its favour, but when you watch those first few, you're kind of taken unawares by it. And it is quite a stark um, way to be introduced to them. But yeah, that being said, it it still works to each of um, the actual sketches' effect. And, And the way that he manages to condense those into those really short fast-paced edited scenes without it becoming too overloaded or confusing um it's really good but that was the the uh, the only other thing other than like the extreme violence that i think may be off-putting to people experiencing it for the first time the mm. the fast-paced editing yeah would, yeah i think i'd probably agree yeah, with I that think it's bad by any respect but just that as an introduction to his work it can be quite yeah, stuck. The thing is, though, I think that works really well with the YouTube medium because yeah, you are literally com- you're entirely in control of your viewing of it. You, it's not like when you're watching a film and you don't want to get up to pause it or it sort of ruins the mood. Like you're very relaxed when you're watching it; it's very leisurely. So I think it the fast paced nature of it does work. Like if you don't, if you miss something, you can literally just like jump back in two seconds, and it doesn't taint your viewing of it whatsoever. Picking this, I knew that it was going to go down fairly well because you didn't have to have a massive time investment. You could just watch like an episode, like <laughs> every so often, like a, a short video whenever you felt like it. Because every episode, it just never exceeds like five minutes, except the the uncut version of Ghost Burger. So yeah. you could basically just pick up any Lee Hardcastle video, like when you're waiting for a cup of tea. You know what I mean, like I've learned from that mistake. <laughs> Never again will I suggest a three-hour-long film. (laughs) (laughs) Not that this is an antidote to that. (laughs) Sorry, Louis. What were you going to say, mate? Well, yeah, I just the 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 fast editing pace kind of reminded me of when I watch any uh, much dank videos. I don't know if you guys ever watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I adore his stuff. I think some of the stuff he comes up with is genius. Uh, But you really have to concentrate quite hard because. The way in which he edits is so, you know, breakneck pace that you, you've got to be as on the ball as he was when he edited it. Yeah. Well, this became Lee Harcastle stuff on YouTube became popular the same sort of era. That, um, do you remember montage parodies? Mm-hmm. So like, I don't think I do. The the like people like Snipers and. Um, Pyrocynical and people like that that were making like these parodies of uh, Call of Duty montage videos where they take like some random video and like meme it, like put the COD hit markers on and uh, you know, like the oh, yeah, uh, I know what you mean, the glasses, yeah, the sunglasses <laughs> yeah. and shit. Yeah, and, like, the... I think the COD hit markers is one of my favorite recurring <laughs> meme things ever. I was watching some of uh. YMS's Adam and Pals watch 13 Reasons Why season 3 and <laughs> <laughs> they, just, they always put hit markers on when people touch each other that, it yeah. always gets me shout out to uh, Adam, Adam and Pals it's <laughs> one of the best web series I love their stuff, it's um, so good but Lee Harcastle's well I say became popular I discovered it um, around that, around a similar time I, cause it was when he got interviewed by IGN UK the IGN UK podcast um, in like 2012, 2013, sometime like that. And I listened to it and um, I'd never seen any of his videos before, but he was really, really like interesting to listen to. I, yeah, I, so I YouTubed Lee Harcastle, like went on his channel and like he had this wealth of two minute videos, one minute videos, all that stuff. And I was like, oh, great. I don't have to commit to any of this. <laughs> I can just like dip my toe in and then you dip your toe in. And if you're like into action or horror or like sort of, you, like sounds weird saying it, but classic cinema <laughs> in, in any way, then 
you kind of get something out of it and i got a massive amount of it because it was just like fucking fun the thing um, is i want to um you were like do you think people who aren't into horror will like him but i would not consider myself into horror except in the most casual sense yeah. um uh but it was just something about the way he makes he's just he's just got this artistry which i think is so you know it just he's able to convey such like emotional it's so weird because of the nature of his videos but certain aspects really are emotional like he really connects yeah. on on an emotive level it helps it helps build into the flippancy of a lot of the videos as well yeah exactly it's sort of like an irreverent nature to some of them yeah because they're paired with such strange emotions sometimes that kind of adds an extra layer of hilarity yeah definitely i think it's just excellent uh cinema making like if you if you're interested in cinema or you know animation or just edit like good editing good music like interesting production then you'll probably get a lot of value from it I think it helps that mm. there are a lot of useful and um, accessible references in it. Like we were talking about the mm. scenes where they recreate like the Evil Dead 2 or the Thing scene or even like the Frozen characters and the Simpsons characters within those sketches. There's stuff that even if you're not familiar with like some of um, the like deeper horror or um, gore in, um, inspirations in this or references, you can at least get those big pop culture ones yeah definitely yeah i i definitely agree he like marrying the like the obscure with the mainstream mm-hmm. in a really perverse way like yeah. definitely one of the selling aspects of his channel i think it's it's <laughs> like obviously tarantino is like a huge influence and inspiration for his work and it's quite interesting because he sort of does what tarantino does in the sense that he's just a massive like cinema nerd creating yeah. cinema um and obviously you get all these like cool pop culture references that sort of everyone will understand but then you get the more niche ones as well which i guess it gives you the dedicated listeners that way and that's um what i was on when i was watching ghost burger again and i looked out for references and to be fair there's there's a few there's not as many as i would have thought would have been in which is kind of a good thing i think because i think that's why i like ghost burger probably most out of all the videos is because it felt more like a clearer vision from lee hardcastle yeah exactly i kept thinking that it would be really sick if he did an episode of inside number nine <laughs> i think i just it felt would. like I, I, I was thinking i don't think i've ever seen an animated episode of inside number nine do some little clay like versions of reese uh, smith and steve exactly it would be it'd be brilliant i think i think it would really suit the style like the um he's like a contractor for creativity do you know what i mean yeah and that that brings me on to one thing i really wanted to discuss is do you know if it, it was the doom one was that like a paid promotion thing was it i i didn't even think of that one as being a paid promotion when i saw it but the one that i i realized that it wasn't until the end that i realized was the alton towers one that was in the playlist no, the the Thought Park one. Oh, it was it Thought Park? I beg your pardon. Yeah, <laughs> good good marketing that was. <laughs> you forgot. <laughs> and, uh, so good that I forgot. But yeah, Alton Towers is way better than Thought Park. Just saying. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa! Now, if it makes Come you feel better, now. Jamie, I also have no idea what the difference I is between the two places. Yeah. But um, the way that that video was in, basically integrated into his own style, and it wasn't until about two thirds of the way through the video that I even realised it was a paid promo uh, promotion. Yeah. So that's like the mark of like someone who's properly creative with their work is when they get given like a brief like that but can still find a way to incorporate it into their style and make it a part of 
their existing content without it seeming like jarring or watching through a playlist like that it's standing out really obviously as being this pay promotion yeah. that was mm. described by well, so i've i've gone on to uh leeharcastle.com um so he's got a list of his clients there's 20th century fox orion pictures momentum pictures bethesda europe doom oh, skyrim okay. rick and morty thought park Square Enix dash Hitman Absolution. So I think. So probably actually. I think pro- it's pro- it's probable that both the Doom trailers were a pay promotion. I didn't see any of them promoted anywhere. Uh, that may be because I wasn't in the right like Google Analytics mind mm. web bubble. Um, <laughs> so I didn't get right. it. <laughs> yeah, the algorithm hadn't taken my DNA yet. So. <laughs> Um, you hadn't had the coronavirus vaccine, which yeah. <laughs> by the five G towers and Bill Gates's nanobots. My blood wasn't magnetized yet. So, <laughs> um, one of the things I wanted to bring up was that even in his paid promotions, like he's pretty versatile, and like, I was like, somehow, like in your playlist, Doom was kind of near the top. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. As I got through, I was like, wait a minute. He did a video for a Sufjan Stevens song. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, wow. it's like what? You know, I I threw that in for you indie kids. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. And it worked. Big up. <laughs> and what delicious bone that was that you threw for us. Yeah, I I was baffled by that. I was like, wait, is this an actual song by Sufjan Stevens? And I went, yeah. I went into the description. Like, oh, okay, okay, cool. Sorry, Liv, what are you saying? It was a good song. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, oh, I literally, I say on this podcast, I always just have like mind blanks. You know, not Shaun of the Dead, but the other one. No, Hot Fuzz. <laughs> Hot Fuzz, yeah. <laughs> um, the Fort Park one, it's kind of got like Hot Fuzz comedy vibes, don't you think? Well, he's got, um, he mimics Edgar Wright's editing style sometimes. Yeah, I where it's that. like quick cuts to close-ups a lot yeah like in ghost, ghost in ghost burger when the burger yeah. being assembled yeah that's uh, it yeah. yeah they were assembling the ghost burger it was i didn't think that like, but now that you say it yeah that is yeah really, yeah i i was getting those vibes quite strongly also the the, the um the evil did you guys watch the evil dead 2 one did yes yeah that made me laugh i don't know why like, i wasn't that into i was like oh yeah it's just evil the two but then halfway through i was just like these are cats. <laughs> Why were the cats suddenly really it's stuck? The fact that they can't talk. It was when one of, it was when one of them got sucked underneath the floorboards. <laughs> and we're just going, Row! I thought that was the funniest. Uh, it, was, it was a bit after he like assembled the, um, the uh, wrist. The chainsaw. Chain, so, yeah, and he like, yeah, yeah. delivers the line and he just goes, <laughs> it made me really want to watch Evil Dead 2 again. That like, oh, as well. We were saying earlier about the amount that he can condense into such a short space of time. He basically does the Evil Dead 2 in about two minutes. And it's got yeah. like Every, everything in it. it. Yeah. It reminded me of. I. Now, I don't know if this was affiliated with Weeble's stuff. I don't remember that website. Early, sort of like early 2000s, mid 2000s website called Weeble stuff that did Salad Fingers. Badger, 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 oh, badger. was it like oh. like new, like Newgrounds kind of thing? That sort of thing, yeah. Um, they, I don't know if it, if, if it was part of them, but there was this series that I remember. It might have been early days of YouTube called like Rabbits Reenact, and it was like a famous pop culture film or whatever. And it would be it condensed into two minutes, but every character was a rabbit. So I remember there was one for Saw, The Ring titanic all sorts of films and it would just be it was kind of the same sort of thing but rather than cats they were rabbits but these looked better than the right. ones from the 2000s it reminded me quite a lot of that yeah so that um that sort of like pre-meme age where you take like yeah. a, like an innocent like creation and then put it into all these uh very pop culture circumstances and parody it kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah um I think that's definitely yeah, not that. Well. Not that I understood any of the pop culture references at that age. Not that I was allowed to see The Ring or Saw. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about um, Hamster Hell? Oh wow! <gasps> <laughs> no, mommy. 
because I yes. think we've all we've all watched that, Please. and we all have. Uh, I mean, it's horrible. It you have so to. Horrible. Hamster Hell is like, it's weird, right? And I have a I have a little bit of a theory on. It. I think that uh, Lee Hardcastle is a uh, is is a was raised Catholic and once had a, and feels really really guilty about having been to a friend's house and him having a hamster <laughs> I, I think i think that he <laughs> has like an inbuilt like catholic guilt that's like prying away at his brain or at least at the time he did and then making got his ha- catholic radar out i do i've got <laughs> i got my kadar out um K-Dar. and i i think <laughs> i think hamster hell was like him exercising his guilt by like materializing the awful awful things that children can do to small animals <laughs> yeah. this reminded me of uh in first year at uni i remember going to like a prees or a party to the flat opposite mine around uh around elliot's flat shout out to elliot if you're listening definitely not shout out to elliot if he is uh oh, the friend, friend of the cast friend of the cast and uh i can't remember who in their flat but they had a pet hamster in their flat oh god do so i want to hear this story i went around for a prize and i was just i was scared of animals i still i'm not i'm not much better now but i'm like i i don't really want too much to, i was like kind of nervous it's a socially ang- anxious setting anyway mm. prees in the first year with a bunch of people you don't really know that well but then there's this hamster on a table that comes right towards my end. Why is there a hamster and on the table? Like, and it's looking over the edge of the table. And I'm like, it's definitely going to fall off. Oh, for God's sake. It's definitely going to go off the table. I should definitely catch it. And it just... It went over the Aww. edge. I just, I just, just watched, watched it. You animal. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, oh man. Was it alright? They can survive drops, I think. Didn't see that coming. I think it I think it was okay, but I just remember thinking that was definitely on me to catch that for me. No, it wasn't, Louis, because that hamster should never have been out. Yeah, that is sad. It wasn't I shouldn't have been out. It was it wasn't it wasn't on you. Um, but maybe this is more about Louis's guilt than Lee Hardcastle's guilt. Goodness, I felt like there was some mild animal cruelty on when two of our very close friends of the podcast had the hamster in third year at uni. I oh, was, mate. I was a bit yeah. like, now it's just Tequila the hamster. We won't name and shame the owners, but, <laughs> but it's Tequila like... the hamster could not have been treated well. Put it this way, I wasn't surprised when it died at a year old. <laughs> I mean, we, sh- we shouldn't laugh. <laughs> oh, how the children ate well that night. <laughs> Peter are going to be on this. At least you might get a few more listeners. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, though, everyone can relate to mild animal abuse as, a ch- as children. Like, we were literally... I was 18, mate. I don't think I could justify mine. Yeah, I mean, if you're... <laughs> and neither can the parents of tequila that... the, <laughs> the thing is, though, we've all encountered hamsters. Hamsters are the most abusable animals. We've we've never we've never experienced life from a hamster's perspective. What the award for most abusable animal goes to? (laughs) Well, what Lee Harcastle manages to do so well is like craft a whole narrative, yeah, completely silently, more or less. Why am I hooked on these hamsters? Like Mm. without any. Without any facial expression as well, because they don't obviously like hamsters don't emote in real life, so they don't emote yeah. the 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 claymation. So it's literally just these black dots that are staring out in space, and it's like, oh fuck! Like it, but it changes. But what's that? Um, what's that cinematic experiment that they did? It was like you place three different emotions next to the same facial expression, and the facial expression doesn't change. But what the facial expression signifies is um, representative of what it's meant to be looking at. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, I think no. I know what you mean. What? So it's like they'll show them something scary, <laughs> and essentially it's the same reaction for them all. But when like they yeah. ask an audience member, you know, what do you think that they were acting or pretending to be in each of these scenes? They would say like different they, emotions. They, they look fearful, yeah. or that they found yeah. it funny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. I've heard of that before. So it's it's kind of like that, where like the the context changes 
what the hamster is emoting. Yeah. The hamster is emoting. And also, because it's an animal, like, it doesn't have the same, like, ways of expressing itself or the same sort of ethical judgment as us, so we don't fully understand what it's doing. Mm. But you just feel the worst after watching the video. <laughs> it is horrible. <laughs> but it's kind of... It kind of is nice. if you. I think if you're an animal lover, it's sort of like confirms all your suspicions about what your hamster's like thoughts are when no, you're not looking. How is it nice? The hamster eats its offspring. Yeah, I know, but it's, it's like the, hams- the hamster has fear and happiness <laughs> and a sense of freedom. I've been to pets at home. I never saw that. I like, think what I think I think what it does more than anything is is uh, communicate how fucking rubbish children are at yeah. looking after animals. You know what? After I watched that, I was like, I am never letting my kid have. A hamster like in its room <laughs> like i think guinea pigs are okay because they're sort of big enough for a child to be aware that you don't yeah you can't just like, is, mess around with it the the kid never told its parents that oh, he shit, had a yeah. hamster he kept it under the bed and uh when he got a, when he didn't know what to do with it he just taped it up yeah, he didn't do any. He didn't. He did not. <laughs> That's so gross. He did nothing That's good. That, for that it. episode is horrible. Mm. Where he like when it gets stuck in the tape. Yeah, it's horrible. It's, it's so like, sad. Oh god, it's so horrible. But then, like, not. It's not like. It's not as damaging, to watch that happen to a hamster than it is happen to a human. But then you can't help but project, your human emotions onto it do you know what i mean i feel which is like <laughs> it's where the it's where the power comes from the short i think it's where it, where does us empathizing with it as an animal end and us just seeing it as like a nature documentary kind of begin do you know what i mean yeah personally i always feel more emotional when i watch bad things happen to animals because they just i think it's because they can't speak and they're so much more innocent than humans and that I think the fact that they, they can't convey their emotions through words just makes them so much more powerless. The hamster, the hamster's well cute as well. Yeah, it is cute. It <laughs> <laughs> makes it even worse. Also, I've got the um, the voiceovers he did for like the little boy. Obviously, yeah, the... they were making me laugh. Oh, they're yeah. so funny. It's very ping pingu vibes. It's like, ang- it's like I thought it was more like angry kid. Yeah. I loved the one that got the belly laugh out of me. It's like, I think I'm in the first episode when the mum comes and you see the waggling finger and he just goes, No, mum. Yeah. He's really like, No, mum. <laughs> yeah. So did, did, you, did you notice that the model for that kid is the same kid yeah. in Tears for Toilet, who is the same kid mm, in, in Ghostburger? Yeah. So there's like, a, there's, a, there's like a through line where that kid has gone through some trauma. Which was the episode that had the Adam Buxton voiceover? I noticed he was on the credits Ooh, quite a bit. He does the outro he, voice. He's in... And I was like, oh, I wondered why I knew this name. Because oh, I think I'd heard Adam Buxton shit. talk about Lee Hardcastle before. Shitting out. He... <laughs> shit a brick, I... Michael. Uh, I... Oh, actually... But I... When I was... I was watching his shit today and I was like... Oh my god, that's Adam Buxton, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why does everything mm. link into everything? Within cells interlinked, within cells interlinked. <laughs> Elon it's, Musk's it's, baby. <laughs> it's like one of the things that we haven't talked about too much that I think is like a really through line in all of these sketches is the dark humour in each of the sketches. In like, oh, yeah. You've got so much... The jettest black. Yeah, you got so much uh, gruesome and disturbing imagery <clears throat> contrasted with like these bright little sparks of comedy that he interweaves through it. I think it just adds such a brevity to it. Otherwise, some of them, I think, would be a lot more... I think the hamster one, without some of its um, <laughs> comedic uh, highlights in it would... It's a quite a grim story, yeah, isn't would, it? would be a lot more dour, I think, if it, if it didn't have them. Uh, I think it's a lot better for it. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think that the dark humour is one of the aspects that keeps me coming back to it is um it's uh, i don't know like trying to explain humor is like impossible really sort of mm-hmm. 
subjective, but the first counterpoint is the fact that it's claymated. So it's yeah. innately not through, yeah through the form ser- yeah mm-hmm. um the fact that he uh, a lot of the voices are just lee harcastle doing different pitches of different voices yeah. as well mm-hmm. um but all have vaguely the same accent which i enjoyed quite a lot yeah well they're, yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> everyone's from leeds in yeah. in, a, in the lee Har- harcastle uh canon um <laughs> yeah. yeah there's well it's like with with the with the alien uh, with the alien one, it's like <laughs> after he's just killed this enormous alien monster, then his wife comes home and he's like, "Alien trap put baby in microwave." Oh crap! Aliens tried putting baby in the microwave again. Again. And she's, she's just like again. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fucking hilarious. It's like it's that. not. It's not funny because the aliens try to fry this guy's baby <laughs> alive, and like they're they're quite threatening. I love that in the beginning of a sketch, he's de- he's just like trying to explain civilization <laughs> to the aliens, and it's like that's fridge, it's <laughs> <laughs> microwave, that's microwave, that's that's dishwasher, uh, uh, washing machine, <laughs> washing machine. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 no, baby, it doesn't go in microwave. <laughs> species arrives he thinks quick i must tell them about the kitchen appliances yeah. it also it also it also breaks down a bit when she realizes that they've been there before it's, it's, it's so domestic though that's just, that like adds to the comedy of it like that's what you thought when, thing, I, when like. I watched that one i couldn't stop thinking that when i was about 13 or whatever discovering you know like fully being able access to the internet i was thinking i would have loved this if i discovered this at about 13 years old i would have shown this to every single mate of mine yeah and it would have just been one of those youtube videos in my wheelhouse yeah. like, oh, have you guys seen baby put in microwave <laughs> and i just know that all of my mates would have loved it and there's a part of me that's a little bit sad that i was like I'm a little bit older than maybe the target audience of this now. But it's just like, I'm still finding it funny. I just like, I just know that think? that would have been peak age for me to discover this. Would have been about 13 years old. I, well, I, rem- I would have absolutely adored it. I remember going into school. Uh, I was a little bit older than I was like year 11. Like, try to get all of my friends into this. When you go home, type into YouTube, the Hardcastle, and like only one of them did. And, like, we had a great laugh, me and that other friend. But everyone else was just like... Oh, you so know. you knew it around then? Around year 11? Yeah, because that's when I first listened to the IGN UK podcast where he got interviewed. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. And then I checked him out. Oh, and perfect. I, 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 told, yeah. I told my brother about it as well. So we... like, So he'd watched a load of it. So I had a point of reference at home to talk about it with. But none of my friends at school like gave a shit at all i was like mate the claymation the claymation it's amazing no one no one gave a shit <laughs> it's so annoying but yeah i would have loved it. I, I love it now to be no, fair it's, it, it's so great it's so creative i was gonna say like i don't i think this does transcend the age the age limit kind of thing i wouldn't have got the thing or evil dead references i wouldn't say 13 is the ideal age to watch this well I get. I know it's over eighteen, and that doesn't really mean anything on YouTube. But I don't know. I feel like it's our, our age is like the perfect age, like early mid twenties. I think it's a good thing to watch if you're if you haven't watched a lot of horror, you're looking to get into it because mm-hmm. it's a really nice gateway into it. Because it's even though it is really gory, it's like it's quite light. It's quite light. And it feels like a better version, like a more well-produced version of the kind of stuff that I was watching in YouTube around that age anyway. Yeah. And this is just, this feels like the best version of that. Yeah. That's that's what I mean by like when at the start I said I was assuming it was going to be more amateurish and less professional than it ends up looking mm-hmm. because the stuff that I'd seen from that was when I was younger and kind of like some of the... The only comparable things I can think of are like... Lego Studios. <laughs> most of them are... Yeah, exactly. My nephews love watching I, those. They've got their charm, some of them are okay, but... Yeah, these, these, are, these are leagues above those, but yeah. And I think like you were saying earlier, Jack, like the very... What you assume 
to be some of like the intrinsic things with the form it being a um, stop motion and also clay characters there's like a certain amount of innocence that I think as a viewer you'll impose onto it because of what you've seen before some of like the most famous examples of it being like Ardman and stuff like that which are all very family friendly and accessible in ways that this isn't yeah. necessarily but you still kind of have that association in the back of your mind whilst you're watching it yeah but yeah. a moment that I think when you were saying about the innocence you know when it's the uh, the Simpsons couch gag um, like the one where they all get murdered and it's like Lisa stands up at the end and then she just holds her hands up and then fucking Chief, oh, Chief yeah. Wiggum just blasts her in the head and you just <laughs> like I said I it's felt so like tragic, that was the only though. one that actually overstepped the mark a little bit that was the only one out of all the videos I thought that's the one. Maybe it's gone a bit far. Yeah, but then you get you get the comic relief. I saw of like the no ending. charm in that one. Yeah, but no, you you do get the comic relief with the the Simpsons tune blaring at the end, and it just like cuts <laughs> away. Right. Louis, I I kind of agree with you a little bit. Like, not I don't think it went too far because I think that this is all fine. But um, I I uh i kind of i kind of agree with you in that like when i first watched it i was like does this guy hate the simpsons or love the simpsons do you know what i mean because it's like it's something that i would have made if i could have done it but also i don't know especially as well though because i felt like it introduced elements that you know like you said already me and you are such huge simpsons fans and it introduced elements that i always felt like were kind of like horrible to introduce in the simpsons like the bit when Marge just clutches Homer's inner thigh, and it's just a bit like, <laughs> oh, that's a bit weird. It's yeah, like all the kids. yeah. And then, and then, like, lo and behold, that is the least of all your worries in that little thing. <laughs> mm. What, what I do want to say though is, I'm the, you know, the Simpsons couch gags. They are continuations of each other, aren't they? Well, they're are they? They're in the same Simpsons universe. They're not like. They don't canonically follow from each other. But is isn't it that like this is my what I've gathered from YouTube comments, so I guess it's all sort of speculation. But um so obviously they all all the family gets murdered in the first one and then in the second one Marge comes back and she gets the toaster, which is a time travelling uh, object, and she's trying to like reverse it so that the family survive. Like, as a continuation from the first one. Well, it's only a time-travelling object in the Treehouse of Horror, which is non-canonical. That's true. So... Well, yeah, but this is a con- an entirely different... I think you'd have to ask the creator. It sounds like weirdos uh, on the internet wanting to find yeah, connections. I, I, doubt, I doubt that. Also, this isn't... This is not canonical Simpsons, so... <laughs> I know, but I'm talking about within the... Within the Lee Hardcastle Simpsons yeah, you know. uh, I do. I'd also like have to bring up the fact that in in that first video in the playlist, I'm pretty certain it plays the same audio effects of. Now I don't know what I can, I can never remember what they're called, but those horrible. I don't know if it's Vine or TikTok guys that do the Simpsons videos of Marge with oh, the horrible yeah. boggly eyes, and it's just going. Don't worry, sweet. Sound effect. I was laughing so much. It's the sound effect of Marge just, just shaking with hatred gets me. Uh oh, it's Large Marge. Large Simpson. Oh god. And on that bombshell, it looks like we're wrapping up. We've gone over an hour. Got that magic hour mark. Right. That was um, a longie. So really I, long I don't know if anyone wants to rate out of 10. Yeah. I don't really I'm, want to. Feels, I don't want to, personally. It feels hard. But I'd rate hard I'd rate him a 10 out of 10 because I love everything he does. But I don't want to impose that uh, arbitrary uh, yeah. numerical rating onto you guys. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, not so I'm going to abstain. 
I'm going to give it the same as Jack. I'm just going to say go watch his stuff. I'm not going to give it a numerical value, yeah. but just it's well worth a gander. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll link his channel when we uh, release the podcast. Thank you for listening to the seventh episode of All Us is Quite Useless and a big thanks to Jack for introducing us to Lee Hardcastle's work. If you haven't yet had a gander at his videos, then stop the pod right now because they really are spectacular. It's Olivia's pick next week and she has chosen a couple of short stories. You Won't Hear My Name Anymore by Nathaniel Duggan, which is currently doing well on the CavMag site, and another short by Stephen Walsh called Shine Variants. These are quick reads and the links to these will be in the description to this pod as always. And we look forward to gracing your eardrums sometime again soon. Ta-da!